Welcome to the Classic Holdup Podcast, where we analyze media from the past. Each episode features a different host that brings a fresh take on a film, TV show, video game, or music album of their choice. What can we discover? Do old favorites have a shelf life? Will the classics hold up? Hello, hello. I am Genevieve Rose. I will be your host for today. And I am very excited to talk to you about The Breakfast Club. Um, For those of you that don't know, uh, The Breakfast Club is a movie that came out in the 80s, uh, 1985, when it is when it premiered. Um, And it is about these uh, five teenagers um, in high school that um, are all from different cliques, different walks of life um, that have to kind of sit in detention and kind of um, get to know each other a little bit and uh, come to an understanding. Um, So yeah, it it was definitely revolutionary for the time. It kind of defined the way that we currently look at um, cliques and movies. And I'm excited to kind of talk about that with with my friend today, uh, MQ. I first watched The Breakfast Club pretty recently, actually. It was within, like, the last year or so. Um, I watched it for a class because it was a classic that we were supposed to be studying. Um, And I liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, But, you know, we have to have a full discussion to see if it actually holds up. As I said before, The Breakfast Club premiered in Los Angeles on February 7th of 1985 and was theatrically released by Universal Pictures February 15th on 1985. Um, The Breakfast Club's main actors include Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, Ali Sheedy, Anthony Michael Hall, and Emilio Estevez. So, some pretty well-known names there. Uh, The film was also written and directed by John Hughes, also known for his films uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Now, with all of that background out of the way, let's go meet my co-host, MQ. I'm here right now with MQ, my friend from Australia. Um, Hello! (laughs) I know that you have a little bit of experience with, like, podcasts and stuff. Uh, Just feel free to, like, give a little introduction. Yeah, I've um, I've done a bit of podcasting myself in the past. Uh, I am the voice of Atlanta on Cora Podcast, um, and I also have done sound design for that in the past. I just really <laughs> like listening to podcasts. I like hanging out. Um, well, anyway, we, for the classic holdup, we have um, selected The Breakfast Club as our movie because it's classic, um, and we mm-hmm. want to see if it holds up, as the title <laughs> suggests. Mm-hmm. Have you seen The Breakfast Club before, before this? Uh, yes. Uh, my first time watching it was, I want to say, God, it would have been a, like 2018, I think. Yeah. I was in year 10 and I decided I had a French oral uh, due the next day, which I hadn't learnt. <laughs> uh, and instead of learning it, I decided to watch a breakfast club. Uh, and the only reason I remember that that was the situation was I was in was because I made a meme on my iPad about deciding to watch a breakfast club instead of practicing my French oral. I don't regret the decision I made, though. It's I loved watching it my first time through. Uh, I think hearing my dad talk about like watching it as he grew up, um, 
and how it's, you know, like everyone talks about how it's a classic movie. Uh, and I didn't really get that until I watched it. But like, I get it. It's it's like lightning in a bottle. I am obsessed with it just a little bit. It's a very relatable movie, even if it's yeah. like set up in a way that's so very specific, if that makes sense. But then it very much is like a universal feeling of like that high school experience of not liking your parents as always teenagers yeah. have that moment. Yeah, I think part of it's also like, it's all filmed, or well, obviously there are some other scenes, but most of it's filmed in just like the one room, the very small set. It feels like, um, I don't know, if it, I feel like that kind of enhances the personalness of it somehow. Yeah, it's like a really intimate location. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, let's, let's get into how it was viewed on release. Um, I was not alive mm-hmm. in the 80s. Um, I, I can also say was that. not alive in the 80s. <laughs> uh, my um, mom was, my mom was alive in the 80s, um, but she was still pretty young. Um, I talked to her briefly kind of about The Breakfast Club. Um, she said that she didn't watch it until she was a little bit older, but she remembered a lot of people like, um like in her school and kind of around where she was talking about like this movie and how it was like just yeah really really intense I think um was the word that she used Ooh. um I know that it ended up coming out like when it came out it was like critically acclaimed it was very successful um but then it was also a little bit controversial um I saw there were there were the reviews were a little bit split um onto how people sort of felt about it at least in um in like the area that I was looking it up which is like America and you MQ you're from Australia and I was wondering hey, kind of yeah <laughs> <laughs> Barbie or whatever. <laughs> I was wondering kind of how how it would be different um, over there than from here, seeing as we yeah. have like a little bit of a different, you know, everything. <laughs> I think in general, there's this like Australia does actually get a lot of exposure to American media. Like my mum grew up on Archie comics. Uh, my dad, uh, I talked to my dad a lot about the Breakfast Club. Uh, he watched it for the first time in year seven, so his first year of um high school i think i don't know seven it's like uh, two years below freshman i think in america yes that would be middle school for us middle school exactly yeah that's the one um that was when he watched it and i remember he like everyone he talked to loved it he grew up in um sort of this kind of country town i guess um and I remember he was talking to me about how his, everyone in his class loved Molly Ringwald as Claire um, <laughs> and how everyone sort of, I guess that same sort of intensity like you described. It's weird because it's not like an action film by any stretch of the word, but it's so emotionally intense. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like, it's like a lot of things happen and it's almost startling. Like when I was watching it, I watched it earlier today before recording. I was, I felt like a bunch of different moments where it was like the emotions come on so very quickly and unexpectedly that like while watching it, it's like, Oh my God. (laughs) I think that's part of why I love it so much. It feels very raw. Um, Mm. Like uh, sort of that, there's that Shakespearean almost divide of, like, comedy and tragedy. Where to have one, you can't really... Like, one can't really exist without the other. Like, it is in its funniest moments. Like, what's a scene where um, Brian's talking about how um, he got detention because they found a gun in his locker 
and how because it was a flare gun, it went off in his locker, <laughs> and um, Andrew starts laughing and like it's not funny. Yeah. And then takes a second and is like, actually, it is pretty funny. It's that same sort of thing where you have to, in the darkest moments, you have to have a bit of laughter. Uh, that feels like, I guess, a concept that kind of transcends generations. And I guess that's why, um, oh, it's one of the big reasons why in the 80s, a lot of people really loved it too. Oh, everybody. And it's it's so interesting how, like, in media today, like you can see references to it like all the time. What with the with the song with yes. the Don't You Forget and About Me. We were watching it today and my dad, uh, like when when said eat my shorts, uh, <laughs> dad like I was watching it with him and he looked over to me and said, you know, that was the first time they said that and then it became Bart Simpson's catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, I had the same thought when I was watching it earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a thought that I had as well, like on that kind of um, that topic is they're all like very specific archetypes. Right. We have what did what did they call him? It was like the 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 jock, uh, the, 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 the the athlete. Brain. The, yeah. The, uh, the, the basket princess. case, the yeah. criminal. So they're all like the archetypes. And I was trying to think, like, is this was this movie like taking those archetypes that we all kind of like knew from everything and like honing in on them? Or were like movies after this one, did they look back at The Breakfast Club to try to get those archetypes? Um, And I wasn't really sure what it was, because like obviously like archetypes as like a concept are from like the the, what is it? Commedia dell'arte or whatever. So it's like The Breakfast Club didn't invent the archetype, but was like these very specific like teenager like school like characters were very yeah i think it's i think it's a very easy thing to just kind of fall into now and um i would not be surprised if the breakfast club had a huge part in like shaping the way that we kind of look at those archetypes now and we're like if you look at a high school and you're trying to come up with, oh what kind of kids are at a high school uh and you you would immediately go to like those sort of clicks that The Breakfast Club really identifies and homes in on. Um, I think, though, The Breakfast Club kind of dissects them in a way that uh, not a lot of... I guess not a lot of media had really done before that. Like, compare and contrast with Mean Girls, I guess. Mm, um, yeah. Specifically that one scene to start where you have... Oh, I haven't watched Mean Girls in ages, but they have <laughs> um, uh, the lead and... Uh, the other one going around the cafeteria introducing all the different groups. Um, whereas Breakfast Club, it's like, yeah, there are groups, but these um, individuals from those groups all have, like, deeper inner lives that we're really going to break down and dissect. Yeah. Like, um, Mean Girls really used it for, like, comedy, mainly. And The Breakfast Club does, too, at different points. But I feel like The Breakfast Club is almost like a subversion in the way that, like, cliques are yeah. viewed. Because it, it seems like in movies um, before and still after The Breakfast Club, like, those cliques and those archetypes and those, like, characters specifically are are still used, like, predominantly to, like, as, me as um, what is it, cinematic shorthand or storytelling shorthand. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, you you just know, you assume you know who the character is. Like, I feel like a really good example of that in The Breakfast Club is... Oh, shoot, what's her name? Um, she uh, was the... Allison? 
Yes. Yes, Allison. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I felt like she was a really good example of like, oh, yeah, like the, the, the crazy one who's like a kleptomaniac or whatever. So like watching the movie for the first time and like seeing kind of her reactions to everything, you kind of just assume, you know, who the character is and you assume that she's just not going to talk the whole time and it's going to be like a like a physical comedy type deal but then she starts talking like near the end and it throws you for a loop mm. because you had assumed that you knew everything about the character and I feel like the the Breakfast Club really uses that for all of its characters and that's why it's remembered yeah. um, just because it uses those those like expected things and then flips them to show you actually these are real people beneath yeah. their their all Something- their stuff Something I find really interesting, like, when I was watching it, I watched it earlier today as well, um, and I found it interesting how, like, now from, like, a present era looking back on it, you can kind of, I guess, guess some of those, like, quote-unquote deeper things that they use to identify the characters. Because, and I, mm-hmm. part of me wants to say maybe that's because, like, The Breakfast Club has been upheld so long that they're just kind of using those deeper things as they'd like become tropes like listening to it and going oh um the uh criminal has a shitty home life um like i would expect that watching in because like that's what today's media has conditioned me to like see in that whereas i imagine like for when at a time the breakfast club came out maybe that was more unexpected yeah, it's like it's like the 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 deeper aspects were new when Breakfast Club did it, but when Breakfast Club did it, everyone else kind of took those and were like, "Oh, this is part of that character now." It's almost like their their subversion has turned into the norm, which is a really interesting yeah. kind of concept. It's a little depressing, honestly. <laughs> it's like, can people really not be like if are we how far does it go? Are we all going to end up reduced to tropes in the end? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> oh man, this took a turn. <laughs> I did not mean for to go like that depressing. No, but I feel like I it's think true it is, though. Yeah, I think it is really fascinating, and I guess it just comes down to, um, like, sure, people have those parts of themselves that might fall into the stereotypes, but it doesn't make them any less of real people. And I guess that's what Breakfast Club really plays up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a concept that does really transcend generations. Absolutely. It, it it transcends, like, all differences. I feel like that's a very human experience. But I also feel like breaking people down into stereotypes or, like, like specifically, like, breaking people down into categorizations are very much... Um, that's a very human thing as well. I feel like the mm. way that people think is, like it's all in shorthand like we have to like find certain things about people and make a list and like that's how you know someone i feel like you can see that in like everything that we do um so it's interesting to see how the breakfast club subverts that and then how it does go back to us using that as a category because the breakfast club is like its own category now like that's a type of teen movie that is made but it wasn't back then so it's interesting how it's like completely shifted like the media landscape into becoming the norm when it was so subversive yeah god it's so fascinating (laughs) oh history right (laughs) yeah i'm curious because i know um 
we touched on this a little bit. There are also definitely parts of the Breakfast Club which doesn't hold up as much. Oh yeah, there's oh the slurs my in my notes in my the notes slurs, I have the, the first slurs. <laughs> the first bullet point is just oh the slurs <laughs> like you just open right up on it <laughs> literally. Oh yeah, I have. Let me look at my notes real quick. I have some. I have some. Fun yeah, things. I know that there are there are definitely some things which stand out more to me. Um, the other one is there's a lot of misogyny in it, Ooh, um, yeah. sexual harassment, that sort of thing. Which, like, if you were releasing the movie today, you would definitely not like that. Would not fly. Oh yeah, there were quite a few parts of the movie where I like actively felt pretty uncomfortable. I was like, ooh, yeah. If I didn't know like the context of everything, I think I'd probably have turned this off. Like, I don't think I would have watched it. I would have been like, ooh, yeah. this sucks. Part of me, this might be like um, a location based thing as well because mm-hmm. Australian American. But I think part of me, in a way, is weirdly grateful for the depiction of it because it's ooh. that sort of feeling of like. Um, Obviously, you know, the whole boys will be boys sentiment is absolute rubbish. Yeah. Um, and you should definitely call out, like, sex- misogyny, sexual harassment, uh, slurs, that kind of behavior wherever you see it. But, like, to some degree, um, it's, like, you can't hold everyone accountable, right? That's mm-hmm. always going to unfortunately exist in some sort of way. Like, when I was in high school, um, I was... I heard slurs, like, pretty much every day as yeah. I was walking around the schoolyard. Um, and, you know, sometimes you just can't do anything about it. And I, I don't know, maybe it's, like, again, sort of a modern thing, but it feels like a lot of modern Hollywood really tries to sanitize that a little and make it out like, oh, everyone's happy, this is a picture-perfect high school landscape, when it's like, actually, sometimes people are kind of disgusting. And sometimes they don't get any comeuppance for it, even though they're doing, like, bad things. And sometimes that's, like, just because they're kids and they make mistakes. Even if what they're doing is bad, they just don't know that it's bad. Yeah, there's, like, a sense of honesty to it that's, like, refreshing. Yeah. I I think that this bullet point is pretty interesting, because it wasn't something I really considered when watching the movie. But, like future like how will this movie be viewed oh man i do not know i feel like it's <laughs> so very much ingrained in like like culture even at this point yeah. that it's like i don't think it could like go away but with kind it of might. like yeah like it, it's it's interesting the 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 things that are like that don't hold up the things that we don't like like the the slurs and the and the misogyny and the homophobia and all that all of that um it's very much something that is being held accountable in this day and age which i think is like a good thing obviously but obviously yeah but then again it also does kind of like what you were saying with the sanitization of hollywood it's almost like erasing a bit of that history Mm. Um, it reminds so it me makes... a lot of, like, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the history of the Hayes Code and stuff. Mm, in yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah, that sort of feeling of um, when you try to sanitize everything out of Hollywood, uh, then what you're left with is, um, I don't know how to put it. It's almost like, it's the argument between, like, pro and anti-censorship stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a whole other field, but it's a very complicated issue. I could see Breakfast Club being 
becoming like one of those cult classics where it's like you go into it with an attitude of oh nothing is the same like hopefully it's like oh nobody is that nobody's that misogynistic anymore nobody's that yeah, yeah, yeah. um like awful anymore but and you kind of go into it with that mindset of oh it's like watching a fantasy film mm-hmm. where you just have to accept that the world works differently from the world you're in you have to like um, take it on the level that it's at yeah because fundamentally i think like if you're looking at narrative story cinematography it's a fantastic movie um and the only thing which i think detracts from that if at all is the just the values in it which were reflected of, of the values of the time yeah. And, like, when you're watching something, like, for example, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof or um, anything like that from the 20s or the 40s or whatever, you can, like, look at that and go, oh, this is reflective of the values of the time, but that doesn't um, change the way I perceive the narrative because I can just accept that this is, like, a different world. Yeah. Um, on that note, let us take a quick break for our ad reads. My name is Matthew Macbeth. My name is Jack Holloway. My name is Alondra. When I complete my degree, I want to focus on digital content creation. I want to get a job in film production. I want to do podcasting, music production, and design work. My name is Matthew Macbeth. My name is Jack Holloway. My name is Alondra, and I I am am ComArtSci. Start your journey at comartsci.msu.edu. Um, and we are going to get right into a Q&A. So, MQ, um, I was wondering how this kind of high school or um, I don't know what in Australia this specific area of schooling is called, um, but how kind of does this um, experience that these students go through kind of, how is it similar and different from kind of like your experience in Australia? Um, I think there are definitely some very obvious differences. Like, I personally, I like, I went to a, a public primary school, uh, so one that was government-funded, and a private uh, secondary school from years 7 to 12, um, which was privately funded and also, like, a little religious, but also very ambivalent towards religion generally. Uh, a lot of students were. So... Uh, my experiences are not specifically the same as every Australian. Um, I guess the biggest similarities are just, like, people. Because, um, obviously, you're going to get, like, I think... And I know there is that generational difference as well. Um, but I think Breakfast Club really honestly depicts, like, a lot of those interactions where in high school you do feel pressured to, like, stick to a certain group of people. Um and you don't get many opportunities to interact with people outside of that, and that can lead to having almost this disdain or uh, 
un- discomfort um, towards them, which I think, like, especially the group therapy section breakfast club where it's like, oh, what happens on Monday? Um, if you saw me in the halls, would you say hi to me? It's like, yeah, I think that <laughs> is pretty reflective of my own experience in mm-hmm. high school. I feel like um, there are, like, the quote-unquote popular kids at school would not um, want to talk to me. Uh, but at the same time, it's like we definitely don't have uh, that kind of relationship with our teachers anymore where we yeah. – um, <laughs> Teachers do not throw you in the basement and put you in a block closet or whatever. You'd very very much hope that they're not abusing their students. (laughs) Yeah. I also don't know, like, I, okay, I never got detention, but I also don't think we have weekend detentions. I think it's just, like, after school. Yeah, I know that I went to, I went to both a public high school and a private one. Um, Well, it was technically a charter, but that's a whole other issue. Mm. Um, But for my first two years, I was in one school, one school, and my second two, I was in a different one. Um, And I also never got detention. Like, I I was never, I never really got in trouble for anything. Um, But I... I know from, like, experiences, like, from friends that would get detention and would talk about it, that they had stories that were, like, very similar to the movie. Like, I remember specifically um, actually having this one one conversation with my friend. She was talking about how um, in detention she actually compared it to Breakfast Club and the specific one scene where they're all, like, running down the hallway... Um, where they were kind of, oh like, God. sneaking out to get the weed and then getting back into the library. She was like, oh, yeah, we had, like, a total breakfast club moment where we went out That's to go get to stuff. Me. Yeah, to go get stuff from the vending machine um, on the other floor and had to quick run back to the gym before they saw us. Um, and they gym? did get caught um, because the school has security cameras and they forgot about that part. Yeah, we like <laughs> we just have detention in a classroom, not in a gym. Oh, yeah, no, they had it in a gym. I know uh, my high school did. Um, or Wild. I think it depended on the day. I know that the weekend detention was in the gym. Um, and then most of the other ones were too. The only ones that were in classrooms, I think, were um, we had detentions, like specific detentions for if you missed school. Like if you missed class, you could only have a certain amount of times where your parents could like call in and be like, oh, they're sick or whatever. If you if you reach like truancy, um, you have to just kind of like stay after school to like I don't know I don't I, it doesn't really make sense to me it's like it's like making up hours basically but it's detentions you're not really the entire education <laughs> system doesn't really make sense to me I'm gonna be honest yeah that's true <laughs> um, <laughs> but but the classroom ones were people who like didn't do anything wrong they just missed school a few too many times so they just had to sit at their desks and pretend that they actually were in school the whole time which is kind of stupid in my opinion but <sighs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, like, we didn't have anything like that in Australia, to my knowledge. It's just, like, you miss classes too many times, you get called in um, for a disciplinary hearing, like a one-on-one, not detention. And most of the time it's, like, you'd send, like, an email to your teachers or whatever saying, oh, yeah, um, uh, you'd have to have a note from your parents or a doctor or whatever and say, yeah, I wasn't at school um, because of this reason. And it's, like, if you just ditched. Um, that's when you get called in and it's like, okay, well, let's talk about this. Huh. 
Yeah, no, there's and no question. I don't know if that's just like a, <laughs> just yeah, I don't know if it's just like a my school thing or if it's just like uh, a, an Australia thing, but it's wild hearing how the American schooling system works. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild to us too. <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, well, anyway, we're not talking about the school systems for this podcast, although I'm sure we could go into it for hours and hours. Um, we are, If we talked about the schooling system, this podcast would go for hours and hours. Literally. <laughs> we have many words. Um, but we have reached the point, the podcast point, where we have to speak about... Oh? Does the content hold up? It Does this classic hold up? Does it hold up? <laughs> um, uh, what do you think? Like, what's your opinion on this? Okay, so hot take a little bit. We have we have established that mm-hmm. I do like this movie. I want to make that very clear. I very much do enjoy yes. um, The Breakfast Club. And I think that generally it does hold up. However, um, I think, like, I wrote this down as my final thing in my notes. Ultimately, my final thought on The Breakfast Club is that it is a mediocre movie that has a really, really, really good, like, final third. And that's kind of what propels it into the kind of place that it has. Because, like, it's shot mm-hmm. really well and everything, but, like, with the with the writing, it feels like the pacing is kind of off. Um, and it's just, like, things keep happening, and it's kind of, like, not... It's a little out there as to, like, why they're happening. It seems it's very much, like, contrived movie, in my opinion. Right. Um, But that group therapy scene... Yeah. That group therapy scene, when they have, like, their monologues, when they actually start diving into their characters, um, and when the the teachers, the, the janitor... Um, Carl, I think it was Carl and whatever yeah, the, the jerk teacher. <laughs> what was his name? Was it um, Vernon? They called him Dick. Yeah, Dick. And I think sounds funny. Dick Vernon. <laughs> oh, good old Richard. Um, but yeah, I feel like when they had that kind of talk in the in the file room, when when Carl kind of found him and was like, "Why do you care what these kids think of you?" I feel like those moments propelled the movie they into very being, raw yeah they really propelled the movie from being like a good movie but nothing really too special into being something that does hold up and is a classic so i think that that hmm. final third is really what makes this movie and what makes it yeah hold up. <laughs> i definitely agree with you on that sentiment um i think for me at least like I feel like the final third of the movie can't really exist without without the other two thirds, though. Because it's, like, the reason, for me at least, why that last third is so genuine and powerful is because we spent the other two thirds of this movie watching them, like, not like each other and <laughs> not talk to each other. And just, like, have the most awkward confrontational interactions possible. Um, and it, so it feels, like, really cathartic when they do all have like, those monologues in that therapy session. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I was just, like, I feel like if that movie ended after, like, that second part or continued with, like, the hijinks of, like, they tried to get back to the principal or whatever, I feel like it wouldn't have been, like, it would have been just... Yeah, it would have fallen flat. Yeah, an an 80s movie, you know? It wouldn't have, like, held up and and had the prestige that it does now. I just think that that final third is... I think, yeah, I think there are definitely some... 80s movies that you can just fall and in, fall into like oh this is a movie that was in the 80s and that's all there is to it um i think the breakfast my opinion honestly is that it does hold up exclusively because it has that like 
undercurrent of realness to it. Mm-hmm. Like, even when we've been talking about it here uh, in this episode, we've been touching on, like, yeah, this is something that is, to some degree, still relatable today. Yeah. Um, in uh, modern high school. And it's like, for me at least, it feels... There are parts of it which transcend that generational... Um, and the movie is all about generational trauma. It's like, uh, oh, mm, God, are we yeah. turning into our parents and everything? <laughs> oh, yeah, that part at the end, it's like, ooh, yeah. Yeah, and it feels like, I don't know, it's a very human sentiment, and I feel like it really, uh, it still holds up. That part definitely still holds up for me today. Um, but I do think that some of the, like, all the cheesy comedy sections are very much just cheesy 80s comedy. Oh, my God, there were so many lines where I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah. Like, what are you saying? Like, a lot of the dialogue, I think, is very... People today do not talk mm-hmm. like this. That's very just cringe. like... <laughs> no, I, I texted my mom. Not very based of you. <laughs> no, I texted my mom, and it was funny, because it was like 10 p.m., and I was watching this, and I was like, do, do here it is, hang on, I'm going to scroll up in my text messages, because it was very funny. So it was, at, it was at 10 p.m., and I text my mom, so I'm watching The Breakfast Club, and I had a random thought. Before laptops and Google Docs and stuff, how in the world did you keep keep track of word count? Why was word count how they assigned things instead of page count? Did you yeah. have to go through and like count the words? Ooh, I'm losing I actually my mind. know this. <laughs> I actually know this. Ooh, what ooh. you do is you do like a line across. Uh, so you take a row of like text, count the words in that. And then if you want to, you can do like two to average it out. And then you just multiply it by how many lines you have. And it's like an estimate. Oh, that makes sense. Because all I could imagine was, was just sitting there like, do. one, two, three. Yeah, that <laughs> was what I was doing, like, my literature and history exams or whatever when I was like, oh, you have to do 500 words? Okay, I've got to, I've got to like, check my word count. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think that is it. Anyway. That's it for us, <laughs> our, our podcast. We've, we've decided, I think, pretty solidly that, yes, The Breakfast Club does hold up, just maybe less slurs next time. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, asterisks. Yes, asterisks. Yes, but, yes, but only when we want it. <laughs> yes, but specifically for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank no you. No one understands it like I do. True. That's why so many so people true. understand it better than me. We can fix him. <laughs> We can fix him. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you so so much, MQ, for joining me for this podcast. I had so much fun recording. Thank with you, you so much for having me. <laughs> I love hanging out with you. I love recording podcasts. Yeah, double win. W- one more time, if you want to plug, if you want to plug your podcast, it was it was the Cora podcast, uh, right? Yeah, go listen to Cora podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it's a science fiction audio drama. Uh, that if you like Greek mythology, you'll definitely get a kick out of. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again. And this has been the classic holdout. Find the classic holdup on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us at audio video land for updates, teasers, and behind the scenes content of all audio video land productions. The Classic Holdup is an audio video land production by digital storytelling students of Michigan State University in collaboration with Impact 89FM.